Welcome to the show. You're listening to the Hope Radio Podcast, your daily dose of hope, stories, interviews, and profiles of courage, triumph, and perseverance. My name is Sean Davis. I happen to be your humble host. And joining me, as always, my partner in crime, my beautiful wife, my co-host, her name is... Just Jen. Just Jen. Together, we make Shen. <laughs> Sean and Jen. Good thing my name's not Brit. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. Then it would be a problem. This is correct. (laughs) That was funny. You know how I know it was funny? Because you said it was funny? Because I said it was funny. That's what makes it funny. I'm just surprised you thought I was funny and you actually got that. I did. I thought that was awesome. I think it's a... that, That was... That was humor at its best. <laughs> I got more jokes. You do? Yeah. yeah. I guess we'll have to wait for that. But uh, anyway, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. You know, we, we I think we got some good news. I think we got some states kind of maybe opening up and good we stuff do. happening. I think that, um, for, I, I'll tell you this, I cannot stop watching the Shed Aquarium videos of the penguins walking around the aquarium. Have you seen this? No, I must be busy at that time <laughs> doing other things. You must be on your phone. You're on your phone a lot. Oh, okay. So am I, but well, like... Well, hey, my screen says I'm down 8%. Your screen tells you... Like, my, I don't like that it... that It, like, it knows. I know. It I don't knows like everything. That. I, don't, I don't like that it's monitoring me. I like it because it often shows me things that I want to search. It just pops up because it hears me talking. Well, here's what you need to search. You need to search the Shed Aquarium and watch these penguins. For some reason, I can't get enough. I've probably watched the video four or five times. These <laughs> penguins and the way they waddle and walk and then they'll pause and they'll look at some whale or beluga something <laughs> or fish probably going, mm, I'm kind of hungry or whatever. But like, it's just awesome because they can't have true spectators. Yeah. You know, so they got the penguins walking around and they've taken videos of these penguins. It's the, the penguins are cute. It's heartwarming. Oh, okay. They have yeah. their little tuxedos on. Yeah. They're all so of them. Cute. I couldn't believe it. They they're all, all have, they're all dressed in the they're nines. They're all matchy match. All dressed in the nines for the yeah. aquarium. I think it's pretty cool. I think that's really cute. So that's, that's kind of my heartwarming story for the day. Focus on that. Yeah. Go watch the shed aquarium videos of the penguins walking around. It, it will, it will bring joy to your world. Right it's now. on YouTube? It's on YouTube. Um, you can probably search online, Google. Just okay. Google it. Google it. That's what Google is for. Yes, everything. Well, this is my favorite part of the show. What? The joke off. <laughs> Your joke against my joke for a little humor to yeah. set the stage for our wonderful show we've got planned today. So far, I'm winning. No. Yeah. No. Yes. No. Okay. You're not being very objective. <laughs> You're being very gen focused. If I say I win, I win. Winner. <sighs> Maybe. Okay. All right. Do you have a joke? I do have a joke. Okay. I always have jokes. They're always about food though. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. That's okay. You ready? Yeah, I'm I'm ready. I'm I'm preparing myself uh, right now for what you're going to say. Okay. Okay. Here we go. What do you call cheese? That isn't yours. What do I call cheese that's not mine? I don't know. What do I call it? Nacho cheese. <laughs> very, very good. That was funny, right? That was funny. That was actually uh, a funny one. <laughs> I only Unlike some of your ones. other ones. No, they're all funny. To you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right. So here's mine. We're going to see who, who did the better joke. Okay? okay. You ready? Okay. I ate a clock yesterday. Why? It was very time consuming. <laughs> uh, See, I got you to laugh. Yeah. That was a good one, huh? It was stupid funny. <laughs> Are you calling me stupid? No, I said that joke was stupid funny. All right. Just as long as you're not that calling me like, stupid. That could be like, yeah, it's, yeah. Stupid funny. Well, um, we have a guest coming on today that I'm excited to tell you about. Okay. But before I do, I got to do a little housekeeping. All right. Everybody that's listening, mm-hmm. they need to go to our socials. Okay. They need to go to Instagram at Hope, Hope. Radio Podcast. <laughs> I'm pointing at her and she's like, 
freezing like a deer in the headlights. uh, Hope Radio Podcast. And Facebook at Hope Radio Podcast. Yes. And uh, like and subscribe or follow. And, you know, give us a little, uh, give us a little Insta love. Give us a little social media love. Yeah, social media love. And also on our podcast, make sure they... uh, Like and subscribe. Our podcast is on Google Play. It's on iTunes, on the podcast app. All you got to do is search hope radio podcast it's also on stitcher yeah spotify spotify soundcloud soundcloud currently we are only accepting five star reviews so we hope you can give us five stars five star reviews especially on itunes if you can go give us a like and a follow on itunes and give us a review that helps us to move up the podcast food chain to appeal to more people spread more hope on our hope train this hope train is a you got it this hope train's a moving and we need uh, Mm -hmm. we need some help to uh, keep it a moving we do and so um i have a guest coming on today okay and I think you're going to be excited to talk with him because he's a dynamo. He's he's a fun guy to talk to. His name is Cornell Thomas, mm-hmm. and he's coming to talk to us about overcoming adversity because mm-hmm. he's seen his fair share. You know, his mom was a single mom with five kids that raised him, so he wow. didn't really have a father figure when he was younger. And so to hear him talk about his story, to see him uh, hear him talk about his childhood and I mean, he's an author, he's a coach, he's, he's all kinds of awesome now. Like he's just really kind of come into wow. a thriving life. And I think his story will uh, inspire some hope for our listeners. Of course. That's Can't what I'm wait. going for. I'm excited. Shall we get him on the line? Let's call him. All right, here we go. All right, I've got Cornell Thomas on the line. I'm so happy to have him joining us for the uh, show today. Hello, everybody. How are you doing? Hey, we're doing great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, you are so welcome. What area of the country are you in, Cornell? I am in New Jersey. New Jersey. Awesome. So you're on the front lines, actually, right now of what's going on with all of this uh, COVID-19. Yeah. I mean, New York is, um, I guess, New York is kind of crazy. You know, here it's just, uh, I think for the most part, it's kind of the same everywhere. It's like curfew and then just like essential places that are open, you can go to. But it's not super crazy. I have friends that are overseas that... They can't leave the house at all for anything. Yeah, I, I actually talked to somebody that was in New York that could not leave the house, and he said it was the most surreal, eerie feeling that he'd had, and that mm-hmm. all he saw going up and down the street was ambulances, and like, it, you know, they just can't get out. Like, he hadn't been out of his house mm-hmm. in like four weeks, kind of a thing, and I'm like, whoa, yeah. that's, a, that's a big deal. The more densely populated the area, I guess, the bigger the challenges during this time. So, uh, 100%, where, where I'm at, where we live now, we're a little lucky where it's not it's not a city. It's more like a suburb. It's not too crazy densely populated. Uh, so we can go out and like, you know, we can walk on the block, walk outside our backyard. Like we can still, you know, experience the outside. Yeah, same with us. We're at the uh, base of the foothills in Northern California. So we still get the luxury, I think, right now of being mm-hmm, able to go outside sure. and get some sun and not have to be yeah. around people. So we're, we're extremely thankful for that. But you're in Sacramento? Yes, we're in the uh, Northern California area, just outside of Sacramento. Do you guys have curfew and stuff like that as well, or no? Is it just? I don't think we have a curfew. Yeah. No, I don't think in. Yeah, I don't think in Placer County. I, yeah. I think in Sacramento they do. I want to say it's like ten o'clock. Okay. Colby was saying that about okay. us, but okay. you yeah. know. Yeah, I'm not not. Oh, okay. I know we don't. So yeah, but I mean, <laughs> I, like, I don't know what everybody else has. We do know. have a curfew. It's like eight o'clock in yeah. bed. That's, no, here, that's here's our, our curfew. curfew. <laughs> our curfew is the bears outside. <laughs> I would be asleep before any curfew anyway. So. <laughs> Good you night. Like, exactly like my wife. Not exactly like my wife. My wife goes to bed. I'm like, Grandma, are you going to bed? I'm like, No, because I'm not twelve. I'm not going to bed right now. We'll 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 put it this way. Our kids put us to bed, so they come and tuck us yeah. in and read us a little story, and then lights out. Yeah, our our kids have had the run of the house lately. I mean, they're 15 and 13, and usually we're in bed asleep by nine nine thirty, and so they're up until midnight. Yeah. You know, playing with their friends on game online yeah we're oh, we're, we're great we're, we're great parents yeah we're we awesome really parents are. yeah we we really are <laughs> we're the best out there that's great that's great well we're like six and four so oh, oh six and four three, really yeah oh that's yeah, a fun yeah, age the beginning mm-hmm. we're in the beginning yeah well we, my, we, my, um, we have four total and our oldest is 24 so with the last oh, two, okay. we're kind of like, eh, you guys can just do whatever yeah. you want. <laughs> it drives the older two crazy. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, like, didn't you forget how you turned it up? <laughs> exactly. You, little? you, yeah. you don't know how many times that has been uttered. Oh, you guys, you guys parent them so differently than you did us. Well, we got wiser. What do you want? Yeah. What, what do you want? We, we tell the older ones we experimented with them, and now we've perfected it. So yeah. you know, sorry. <laughs> now we get it. It's so funny. Like we were saying, my wife was talking about like, when you have your first kid. Your social media post is like 7,000 people. After your first kid, everybody's like, yeah, okay, cool. You have another kid. Like, we get it. Like, great. We understand. <laughs> yeah, by the we fourth totally time are. around, you, you maybe they show up in one or two pictures a year or something like that. The enthusiasm has yeah. waned. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, as new parents, the binky <laughs> drops on the floor. Oh, you got to wash it off. You got to get it. You, yep. you know, by the fourth one, like, it, it's you, you're purposely rolling it in the mud just, just so you help clean your teeth a little bit. You know, some of that grit, that grit helps out. <laughs> oh, man. I always say, like, my daughter, my daughter's a young, she's a four-year-old. I, I'm like, I told my wife, I was like, she's a gangster. I was like, we eat the whole fries. I smell like a Faberge egg. Like, oh, my God, she's going to crack. And my daughter were like, oh, she's on the couch about to do a backflip again. Okay, cool. It's going to be all right. It's so true. <laughs> so true. It's the evolution of parenting. And that's that's yep. what it's called. Yep. <laughs> well, I was uh, really excited to have you on. And uh, you're a speaker. You're an author. You're a coach, a husband, a father. You are a world life changer. Tell us what's going on in Cornell Thomas's world. Yeah, well, thank you. Uh, there's there's a lot going on. <laughs> there's a lot going on. My I always tell people my story really starts off when I was uh, four years old. You know, my father, uh, Bobby Thomas, was a police officer in the city of State, New Jersey, and he passed away from cancer. And when my father passed away, he left my mom this responsibility of raising five kids on her own, and we had very little money. So who I am today is a direct result of my mom. I always tell my mom when I'm going to speak from her, I'm like, Mom, I'm going to go talk, to you, talk about you for about, you know, an hour and a half today. And she always says the same thing. Don't worry about talking about me, baby boy. And she doesn't understand, like, what she did, what she accomplished to be able to, you know, take care of us and instill in us this mindset that if you work for what we want and we believe and have faith um, in what, we, what we're doing in ourselves and God, obviously, uh, then good things will happen. So, I went through like my elementary school, middle school. I just had no passion in life because most young men would be like their fathers. I didn't know my father. I knew he did some amazing things in the city of the state of New Jersey and in the street after him like nine years ago. But I didn't have a direct relationship with my dad. So it wasn't until I was about 16 years old where I fell in love for the first time and I was with basketball. I never played ball before in my life. I was God awful. <laughs> and my mom is from this uh, town. I mean, my mom's in this town called Burns, West Virginia. Sean and Jen, I cannot make this up. The town is like as big as my office. And in this town, my mom would take us there for a week, and there was just, like, nothing to do. Like, we would just sit there. And one day, I was sitting in my cousin's bed, and I looked under my cousin Carl's bed, and I saw all these newspaper articles of him playing basketball. And that day, I said to myself, like, first, I didn't know that they put kids in the newspaper. That was the first thing. <laughs> and the second thing, I said to like, no clue. The second thing I said to myself, I said, okay, well, <clears throat> I want to be a basketball player. Like, and I had two reasons. I wanted to be famous like my cousin, and I also, you know, wanted to possibly get a date because <laughs> there was, <laughs> I was struggling. I had, like, my mustache didn't grow in yet. Like, my buddy could cut my hair, so I was, like, lopsided. I was, uh, it was, like, struggle bus for me. So <laughs> I, I decided to go on this journey of basketball, and, uh, we got home from Birds of Virginia, and I, I walked three miles to the nearest court because my mom was a mistake to Rockaway, New Jersey. And I looked at the hoop. I found this little Pizza Hut ball at the bottom of our, you know, hill by our house. And I walked three miles to, to the court, and I looked at the hoop, and I said, okay, here we go. You know, girls, fame, everything. <laughs> and I threw the ball up, <laughs> and the ball went over the basket and rolled down the hill. <laughs> and I, I did that for about two more hours, and I came to this epiphany that I suck at basketball. <laughs> like, I'm really, like, I'm really bad. You know? and, uh, well, maybe, uh, maybe it was, it was the uh, Pizza Hut basketball, I think you just said. <laughs> did you say it was a Pizza Hut basketball? Like, it had yep, Pizza Hut logo pizza on it, like a free prize? <laughs> <laughs> everything, everything. Like it was, it was like here's your drink and a basketball. That's when Pizza Hut was like really kicking off. You know, that was before like the Papa John's and all that. Pizza Hut was a monopoly of pizzas, and uh, I guess they had extra money, but they were just giving out these terrible rubber basketballs. 
And uh, I wish I could say, Sean, that it was the basketball, but it was for sure 150% by skill level. And while I was I was sitting there on the court thinking to myself, okay, well, you know, I wonder how hard golf is. Uh, this guy comes walking up to me out of the blue, little five foot eight Filipino guy, i never forget. And he comes up to me and he goes, my name is Ray. Do you want me to show you how to shoot a basketball? And now you think about the aesthetics here. I'm a six foot four and a half black dude, with this little five foot eight Filipino guy, and he's going to show me how to shoot a basketball. <laughs> so I, I, I tell people all the time, like, <laughs> never judge a book by its cover or color, right? Because right. if you think, you like assume, like, oh, well, this person, you know, I've watched TV enough to know that this person does this or this person does this. And um, Ray showed me how to probably shoot a basketball for about two, three hours. And when he left, um, I still wasn't any good, but I was a little bit better than when he came there. And what he did for me is one of the big reasons that I give and I go and speak and do what I do now. He planted this seed in my head that if I work at this long enough, I could possibly get better. And I tell people all the time, like, our minds are gardens. So whatever you plant is going to grow. If you, if you plant negative stuff, if you plant, I'm not good enough, you know, I'm not whatever, that's going to grow. You have weeds in your garden. Or if you plant empowering things, like, you know, anything is possible. You know, if you plant that kind of stuff, then that's going to grow. So Ray planted that in my head, and it, it really changed the direction of my life. Without Ray, um, I never would have known this basketball journey that led me, you know, to eventually, you know, North Dakota on a full scholarship and then a uh, professional contract. Wow. So was he was he your first real kind of male mentor to some degree, like a, like almost a, I, I'm, I'm guessing he was your same age or similarly aged, but he was the first time you had that kind of a, of an influence from the outside from a male figure. Well, he was actually a lot older. He was, Ray was about, you know, 15 or so years older than I was. He was oh, okay. a grown man at the time, but he, my brothers, um, it's funny. My, my dad had three kids, uh, before he met my mom and, well, one of my brothers, like I have you know, a bunch of older brothers, and my brother Rob, uh, for my dad's first marriage, uh, he was like, he's 12 years older than I am. He was in, he did turn his life, and turned us, he inserted himself into our lives, and would take us around, and my brother Rob, who was the second oldest, that was there to help raise us. Um, I had those guys, but I had no one to ever really show me, like, how to play sports, or show me, you know, like, how to throw a punch, you know, anything yeah. like, I had to kind of just figure it out. So Ray was the first guy to show interest in me playing basketball. Like none of my, none, nobody in my family played basketball at all. And so once he did that, once he showed me that, once I saw that I could get better if I worked at it, I mean, I, I, I tell people all the time, you got to be willing to sacrifice what you like to get what you love. But I sacrificed, I, do, I now don't drink, I don't smoke, none of that stuff. All I did was basketball, six, seven, eight hours a day, did not matter. And my sole purpose was to uh, be a professional basketball player so my mom never had to work again. You know, that was my whole entire dream. It became less about, you know, being famous and more about, you know, I want this woman to not have to work for your job. And when that happened, when I kind of changed my purpose and my why for doing this into something like that, nothing stopped me from training. Like, didn't matter if I was sick, didn't matter if it was raining outside, didn't matter if there was snow on the ground. Uh, I just put all my, my effort into that mission. I think that's that's awesome. I think it just reminds me of the opportunity that I think we have right now in this current in- environment. I was reading something that this environment is becoming nicknamed the Great Pause. And so, um, you know, what do you do when you get a chance to pause? You know, it's a perfect opportunity to be self-reflective. It's an opportunity to take stock of where you are and ask, what is my why? You know, your why changed. Initially, it was like girls and fame, you know, and then you're like, okay, mm-hmm. once you really kind of got into it a little more, you're like, let's be practical. Yeah. I, I really want to help my mom, my my single mom who's mm-hmm. raising five of us. You know, I want to make an impact on, on her life. But I think, you know, taking stock of where you are, figuring out where you want to be, you have to give up what you like to go after what you love. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. That's a great way to uh, to think about it, but figuring out your why. What is my why? What is my purpose right now? What am I what am I doing and and where is it going to take me? That's that's awesome. I'm glad he had a chance to um, to instill those words in right. you and give you some of yeah. that because I I think you're right. Words are seeds. 
And I think you can manifest um, a lot of what you want in life by how you think and then what you say. Words matter. They're extremely powerful and uh, they, mm-hmm. they matter, you know, especially what you say about yourself and your future and your, and your opportunity. Sure. 100%, 100%. And I only saw Ray in my life. I've only seen Ray three or four times since that first meeting. And the last time I saw Ray in person, uh, I was, it's, just, it's right when I got, because I had to go, you know, out of high school, obviously nobody was recruiting me. I never, I barely played. And I went to a junior college and in my life, you know, fourth, fifth year playing basketball. Like Michael Gladwell says, like it was 10,000 hours kid. I, I was probably at like 11, five, you know. And uh, right when I got my scholarship, I was walking to the mall. And this is like, I mean, it's been four years since I've ever since I've seen Ray anywhere. And I was walking to the mall and, the day before I was supposed to leave, I see Ray in the mall. Mm. And I go up to him, I give him a big hug, and I say, you know, Ray, you know, I got I got a scholarship. And, and he goes, he looks at me, he goes, I knew you'd make it. Like, mm. just like, and I just was, you know, crying. And I was very emotionally introverted coming up. So, you know, for me, I just had like tears in my eyes. And I just, God just telling me, like, hey, man, you know, don't forget, you know, how you got here. You know, it's an army of people that help you get to where you're supposed to go and, uh, I want to let Ray know that, hey, you know, if it wasn't for you planting that seed, then who knows where I'd be right now. The scholarship probably wouldn't have happened. It just amazes me to think about how some of the smallest interactions or limited interactions really have the potential of changing somebody's life. And if you pour into people, if you're open to that, if you're open to giving, you know, it's mm-hmm. a it's a word, it's an opportunity, it's a smile, it's somebody believing in you. You know, I imagine yeah. as soon as you said, I, he said that, he said to you, I knew you would make it. Yeah. I could I could feel how that would flood you with emotion because to have somebody to mm. think that about you, to, believe to, in you. to recognize that potential, mm-hmm. to believe that you were going to go someplace, that, yeah. that's, that's mm. got to be an overwhelming feeling, Very especially if, you're, if, you, if you haven't felt that before right. or if you haven't had somebody do that before. He's a ray of sunshine. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, was, it, was, it was me and my mom. I'll be honest with you, like, this is just me and my mom. Like, I, I mean, if I told you guys, and, you know, obviously, we'll talk more than just now, but when I, when I tell you guys the amount of people that told me, he used to tell me on a regular basis how, you know, how I wasn't good and all this other stuff, is the only person that believes in me and at one point believed in me more than I believed in myself. And I had to, you know, once I got over that, um, um, I started really begin, uh, becoming better, was my mom. And you know, she's the one that believed in it. And she just, mm-hmm. You know, she always told me out there and she knew that I'd do something. And every time I told her another milestone, you know, be it getting this guy to play, uh, to play college basketball, even when I got my pro contract, she just was never surprised. Like her mindset was like, yeah, of course you got a, con- <laughs> uh, a scholarship. Of course you got a contract. Like, what do you, what else do you do? That's all you do is play basketball, <laughs> you know? So it was just, uh, it's been a, it's been a long ride. When I got back home from college, I met my wife in North Dakota. She stayed with a women's team out there. When I got back home from college, I was, you know, alone for three years. And after my first year and a half, I got a contract. Uh, I was playing, you know, playing with all NBA guys and guys were playing in Europe. And I got a contract to play in Portugal uh, on their first division. And a week before I was supposed to go, I ruptured my Achilles. Uh. And, you know, people talk about like a dream deferred, right? Where it's like from 16 years old to 20, you know, 40 years old, the only thing I wanted to do is play basketball and you know like I said you know help my mom and when I got injured I'll never forget that Thursday morning being wheeled in for surgery Thursday afternoon having a hard cast in the middle of my side and in my foot and then by Thursday evening my contract was already voided and by Friday morning you know just watching my mom you know kiss me on the forehead and then go to one of the three jobs that told her she never have to work again and I tell people like that was to that day date, that was the hardest day of my life and I remember being in complete why me, both? You know, when things happen to us, you know, we curse the heavens and why would this ever happen and blah, blah, blah. And I just started thinking about growing up and who I was raised by and how my mom was such a solution oriented person. And she wasn't never, she never fixated on the problems too much. And it wasn't that there weren't problems because there was plenty. It's just she understood that I can't spend all my time in this problem because the solution is never going to show its face. So uh, that, that that next day, I called my friend up and I said, hey, call, pick me up. We're going to the gym. And he was like, what do you mean? I said, just pick me up. And I shot from a chair for six months. And it didn't do anything for me physically, but mentally, 
it took my mind off what was going on. And I think that you have a lot of people that are out in the world that talk about, you know, mindset that almost make people feel bad for being human and having human emotions. Like, it's okay to be upset. It's okay to mourn. It's okay to doubt. All that stuff is okay. You just can't make it better. Then. So as soon as I decided to, you know, make my bed and get out <laughs> and get away from it, get out the room, uh, then things started to change around. I got an opportunity to coach. Uh, ironically, be the head coach at my old two-year college because the guy left abruptly, like right a couple of days before school started. And then I, I, you know, my coaching career went for the next 13 years. That's awesome. I, yeah. I want to go back and, and discuss a couple things that you said because I think there were some uh, brilliant remarks in there. First and foremost, um, I will acknowledge that you are probably a lot like me. When I was growing up, um, I was told by my stepfather that I would never amount to anything. I would never be successful. Mm-hmm. Like his words really were not uplifting. They were um, mm-hmm. meant to keep me in check, keep me in place, keep me kind of beaten down to some degree. He was never physically abusive, mm-hmm. but, you know, I think sometimes those words are even more abusive than mm-hmm. physicality, you know? And and I will say mm-hmm. my mom always listens to every one of our podcasts, and mm-hmm. the one thing that my mom has consistently been is 1,000% in my camp supportive. She went through some of the same stuff, and so I can't thank her enough for always believing in me, always thinking positively yeah. of me, always being proud of me so you know shout out to the moms out there and mom i love you specifically (laughs) you know thank you for dealing with us and uplifting us and being there when we um maybe didn't know how formative that special moment or that time or what it was going to mean to us years and decades later but i remember some of those conversations with my with my mom and as i'm sure you do as well and then the Mm -hmm. other thing i was going to uh, comment on was just this acknowledgement that yeah, if you do fixate on the problem, you know, I think your words about, you know, if you, if you're always constantly thinking about the problem, then the solution will never find you. And, and I agree with that a thousand percent. I think the conscious effort of, of thinking about the solution should be the priority, you know, like instead of lamenting, you know, what's going on, for example, right now during, during COVID, you know, I can't work or, you know, our hours are slashed or maybe we lost our job or, you know, I could see how fixating on all of that i mean it's like this downward spiral yet if you mm-hmm. you know open yourself up to the possibility what if this is the biggest blessing in disguise that you've ever seen what if after this the business that you always wanted to start you get that opportunity what if after this you know you guys reckon maybe i think marriages will be saved through this i think that people will come together through this and so there is the possibility for huge upside. But if you're always thinking about the downside, you'll never see mm. the upside. You'll never see the positive of the situation mm. or what it could become. And so I think that that was, um, you know, a great acknowledgement that you made there. And, I, and I'm glad to see that you have that positive mindset. You know, that mindset is everything. Yeah, you know, is. what you think mm-hmm. about, how you think about your future, what you think is going to occur. And we're all going to experience surprises. We're all going to experience you know, what, is this, what was that Lenin quote? Uh, life is what happens to you when you're busy making plans. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yep. I love it. I love it. You know, it's like all, all of a sudden you think you know what's going to happen. No, no, you don't. <laughs> you, you, you don't. So plot twist. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. how yeah. did you how did you come out of that? So you thought you're going to have, you know, this contract to play in Portugal. You rupture your Achilles heel. You know, things don't work out the way that you expected. And so how did you rise out of that situation, out of that adversity? Yeah, I mean, it was just a mindset shift. I mean, uh, I was tunnel vision focused on playing basketball. That was it. And uh, the biggest problem with a lot of athletes is that, you know, we get, uh, we lose our identity. We, we, we don't know who we are. We just know who we are in terms of sport. You know, people know you for People started knowing me for the first time in my life as Cordell Thomas, the basketball player. I was good at something. And that's what they associated me with. So when the, you take the basketball, the football, the golf, or whatever it is away, then you're stuck with who you are. This COVID thing, the reason it's so difficult for people is because there's a lot of self-reflection you can do now because you have the time. You're not on the hamster wheel. And for me, just sitting there uh, with that injury and being in my room by myself, for long periods of the, throughout the day, you know, after going in the gym and shooting, 
you know, I was just asking myself, well, man, who, not only who am I right now, but who am I going to be after? Like, once I get this cast off, like, who am I going to be? And I was still locked into basketball. But, you know, as John Lennon says, and, you know, my mom used to say all the time, like, you know, God laughs at your plans, right? Like, you, you have plans, and then God's like, oh, okay. Oh, my dear. You know? So, you poor little like, thing. I, I, how, how, how wrong yeah. you are, you know? Like, yeah. I, I, I'll yeah. let you believe that, but you have no idea yeah. what I got in store for you. Yeah. God's like, oh, that's cute. You know, like, that's like, that's like, that's like that's so cute. You want to be a basketball player? That's so cute. And, um, and, I, and I really do feel that, you know, once I got the coaching opportunity and made that transition, that's the thing that really kind of took, took my mind away from basketball, uh, playing basketball, and realizing that I was put on the dirt to help people. Again, I still thought it was through basketball or coaching, uh, but I started to see the lives I were, I was young lives I was able to shape as a coach. And um, that meant so much and it's taught me so much in my career now, just being able to, you know, coach people and read people and see, you know, that kind of EQ, you know, where you're, you're as when you're coaching a team or leading a team, you have to, you know, be in touch with your players. And it was when people asked me like, well, how'd you get into, you know, speaking? How'd you make that transition? And the, it was it's really simple. I was, it was like 2011, I was on Facebook and I was reading my timeline for whatever reason. I think I just wanted to be depressed that day. <laughs> and uh, and I, just, I, I said to myself, I said, wow, like everybody is like the things that were I was reading were like a hundred percent first world problems. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, no, my cappuccino spill today. Like, you <laughs> so know, just true. nonsense, right? And yeah. I was like, people set their day to this. So a friend of mine gave me a book of positive quotes for Christmas. And I was just taking quotes out of the book and putting them on Facebook, and people started to like them. And I, I think it was like me, my aunt, and my mom that followed me on Facebook at the time. <laughs> and, uh, and then one day, I woke up and I couldn't find the book, and I made my own quote. And people still like this. So I'm like, well, screw the book. I'm just going to make yeah. my own quote every day. <laughs> You're right, I got this. I don't need it. I got this. <laughs> so every day, I was I was making my own quotes. And you know, after a couple of months, my friend Stephanie came up to me and she goes, "You know, where do you get your quotes from?" I started to make them up, and she was like you should write a blog. I'm like, that's a great idea. What the hell is a blog? <laughs> <laughs> she's, like, she's like, this is a blog. So she sets up this work. We're in Panera Bread. She sets up this, this WordPress site. And I started writing my blog. And after my blog, I kind of started seeing, and I was still coaching at the time. I started seeing the power that, you know, my words had. And then I said, well, I want to write a book. And then I Googled, like, how do you write a book? And then after that, I just started going out and speaking everywhere. I didn't care, you know, if it was five people, 10 people, one person, it didn't matter. You know, I just started sharing my story. And I met, you know, one of your former guests, I met Troy and Dave, the Lewis guys, from, I think it was like after my book came out a year, like maybe seven months after my book came out, you know, they asked me to write a, quick, a guest blog for them. And I wrote a guest blog. And then they invited me out to speak uh, in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. So I went like nine months before I got a dollar. Like I didn't get a dollar for speaking. I was just going out and pretty much just practicing and working on it. And then, you know, uh, it just started to get bigger and bigger. I love that mm-hmm. story. That is so interesting to me. There's so many great, like, lessons in that. Mm-hmm. So first and foremost, you thought you were going to be a basketball player. Something happens. You rupture your Achilles heel. That dream left to the side. Yet you had no idea that something else was coming down the pipe that was going to serve all of that internal kind of goal that you had. I want to make a difference. I want to coach people. I want to help people. You know, when you started talking about, uh, you know, writing your own quotes, when I was, uh, I was probably in my early 20s and I'd always been, I'm an only child and, and I'd always been interested in business and money and like a positive mindset. And so there was this company called Successories and basically they had um, posters and they had these positive thought provoking, encouraging quotes or messages yeah. on these big, beautiful vistas, or maybe it was, you know, some grand house or whatever, but it was like this filling your head with with positive, like right. this, this dream, it was all part of my dream board in my mind kind of thing. And to see you go from, you know, quotes to a blog, like what, what the heck's a blog? And then like, you know, a friend at Panera, you know, love their Thai chicken sal- or the salad, by the way, but yeah. love Panera, yeah. but at Panera. Yeah. And you know, it's so funny when I think about it. 
So that was like a formula of meeting for you, right? Like yeah. Panera? Yeah, yeah, sure. I have had in the last two years, like three or four really formative business meetings at Panera. Panera must be the place where you <laughs> yeah. do business. You know, shout out to Panera right that's now for, make, for changing lives. Make yeah, make millions yeah. at Panera. Get of, yeah, get a chicken Fontega and change your life. Oh, yeah. yeah. That should be their new tagline. Yeah. <laughs> you know, post, post-COVID, you know, that's, yeah. the new, that's the new tagline oh. that they got to they gotta put out there. But how awesome is that? So you, I, like you, who would have thought when you're sitting in that wheelchair, throwing up those, those, hopefully it wasn't a Pizza Hut basketball anymore, <laughs> but when you're throwing up yeah. those, those, those basketballs to try to make it, who would have thought that, that sometime later you'd be on a stage in Vegas telling people mm-hmm. about your life, about positivity, about whatever. I mean, could you have ever imagined like the course that you took? No, no. <laughs> I, I mean, I'll tell you right now, people are like, oh, you know, you probably have some, I said, no, you don't understand. I said every every uh, profession, every everything that I, I chose, I did not choose myself. It was chosen for me. Mm-hmm. The coaching was like that just happened. Is that just something that uh, opportunity just came up? Same thing with the speaking. I was just like, eh, well, you know, all this <laughs> internet stuff sucks. Like, <laughs> let me just write some quotes. I had no idea what was coming from it, you know. So it's just uh, it's funny how this life works, and I, I just really truly believe that I was created to help you know, people. And, and that's what I'm doing right now every day, which is amazing. Yeah. I, I thinking about your story and kind of the, the pivots and the twists and turns, it reminds me of a conversation that I've had with, uh, with one of our boys about kind of destiny and your future and stuff like that. And, and he was having a a hard time trying to figure out what he wanted to do with his life. And, and to me, you know, imagine this, this large, kind of mountain that you want to climb. And in my mind, he was going, I want to go from the ground straight to the top in one straight line. And that's how he was thinking about kind of how his, you know, where's my path. And he'd walk around the base of the mountain trying to figure out the best way to go straight up it. And I, and I, I use that as an analogy to tell him, you know, when I think about my own life, I said, you know, this isn't the way it, way it works. Like you might go up here, you might go to the left and you might climb up five feet. Then you might have to go 20 yards to the right. And then, you mm. you know, life is not like that. Like it just is not mm. so linear. It's like more you, of a squiggle. Yeah. As my wife would <laughs> yeah, say, she just simplifies sure. it very, very. Yeah, I'm like, it. I'm more of a squiggle. <laughs> yeah. And you, you yeah, know, like I, I was going to go to the basketball and then, oh, I had to go down the hill yeah. to go to the left and then go up 50 feet because now I'm coaching. And then, you know, next thing you know, it's, it's live speaking engagements, etc. So, you know, while we can plug your book. So do you still do a blog and do you, and what was the name of your book that you wrote? Yeah. So I'm at book five right now, but, <sighs> um, yeah. So my congratulations, first, first the, of all, that's, that's thank huge. So thank yeah. You. Thank you. So the first book was the, uh, power positivity control when the ball bounces. The second book was The Power of Me, Army of One. The third book was Extraordinary, which I love because I was able to put my son on the front cover. Uh, the fourth book the fourth book is The Book of Cornelisms, which is a combination <laughs> of my own quotes. I love <laughs> that. The fifth, the, the fifth book, which I'm, um, we just finished the first edit on it, which, which should be out in June, is uh, and a book on the mindset of an entrepreneur called Game of Death, which is an homage, homage to... Uh, the Bruce Lee, uh, famous Bruce Lee movie, Game of Death, which talks about the mindset because you go on online to assume that entrepreneurship, everybody makes one million dollars every day uh, because they're like, oh, make fifty gazillion dollars by doing nothing. Like that's not entrepreneurship. <laughs> so I want to just like do a, a real book that, that really addresses like the struggles of entrepreneurship and the mindset needed to be an entrepreneur. Like one chapter is called Ramen Noodles, you know, which you can just assume is about <laughs> <my> struggle. <laughs> we know what ramen noodles means. We're entrepreneurs yeah. ourselves. <laughs> yep, you get it. <laughs> what, what was that quote you had earlier? You got to give up what you like to chase after what you love. Yep. You know, like yeah. uh, I'm going to yep. eat ramen noodles. That's what I'm going to be on. Jen and yeah. I had ramen noodles early on in our uh in our marriage. I'm, I remember when I used to send yeah. her to a grocery grocery store and it was like two weeks, right? Uh-huh. Like we were shopping for two weeks. Right. And how much money did I give you? Like, I don't even remember. hundred dollars. Yeah. yeah it was a hundred bucks for two weeks of, of groceries oh, back in the, yeah. back one, in the nineties. One of my fondest moments of my wife outside, obviously kids in marriage is when I knew she was like, okay, this is someone that I might have around for a very long time is we were in college and, uh, 
I mean, just struggle bus, like no money, right? Like no money. And I was just starving. I don't think it was a Sunday. And she's in my room and I'm like, man, I would love to like get like McDonald's or something. I don't care. I just want to eat something. And she's like, oh, they have these, the burgers are like 35 cents. It's like the special sale for cheeseburgers. So I was like, okay. So I like found like $3 and 50 cents in change in my room. And she found like, uh, three or four dollars in her <laughs> in her jacket, and we drive up to the drive thru We get like twelve cheeseburgers. Like I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> and we have like uh, I had like a one pack of Kool Aid left by by room, and like that was our dinner. Like we we're like, oh, this is great. Like it was like the best day ever. Like this is great. We were able to like eat cool. <laughs> Oh, that's how I do. I was like, all right, this is this is the person I got to be with for a very long time. Yeah, when you when you when you enjoy the uh, ramen noodle stage. Do you remember of life. we used to eat ramen noodles in Kool Aid? Yes, that's, I mean we would get all oh, the different yeah. flavors, and we thought we were living yeah. large. This was great. We had cool. choices. Yeah, we, and, and then I think we, we graduated to Tang. Do you remember Tang? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure. I do. We used to go throwback date night where we all hang out as couples and just get a bunch of ramen noodles <laughs> and, you know, cheeseburgers and tang and Kool-Aid, you know? That sounds fabulous. Our lives. I yeah, love I great. love food, so that sounds great. Yeah. I used I used to like tang so much I would I would lick the spoon and then I would dip it like the like the dipping sticks that you got like that and then I would just yeah. take 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 it off the spoon. Jim yeah. would look at me, my tongue yeah. would be bright orange, but I'm like, yeah. oh, this is the, and still to this day yeah, orange or tangerine drinks are my favorite drinks. You know, it's yeah, just, it's that was just, the best. My mom let me, my mom let us have the dipping sticks one time, and um, I think it was the equivalent of us being on basketball. And uh, she just that never happened again. <laughs> like so mom was just like, What who are these kids? Like we went like I think I was like literally walking on the ceiling. I don't know how. It was crazy. Love it. <laughs> that that is awesome. The, the the memories of the struggle and it's all worth it. Yeah. You see, like we can still yeah, recount all, all of it. those all of those times. Sure. And that's that paying For that sure. price is what makes you appreciate any success that you yeah. realize yes, after that, right? For sure. Yes, sir. <laughs> Yes, so oh, who who else since then has been kind of like the positive influence in your life? You know, the, the old story goes like you got to surround yourself with people that, that stretch you. If you're sure. smart, the smartest per- per- person in your circle, you're not going to grow. Mm-hmm. Like, so who who has yeah. continued to be that for you moving forward? Well, I mean, there's, there's so many people. I mean, I, I have um, my circle of friends are, you know, all people that are just doing a lot of things on the planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's so many. I, my brother, my oldest brother, Rob, has, has always been uh, a good mentor. But, you know, people like Cornell West, who I got a chance to sit down with and talk. And uh, Tony uh, Robinson wrote my third book. Um, you know, Les Brown is my favorite. Probably out of all the speakers, is my favorite speaker. Him and uh, a gentleman by the name of Reverend Ike. Uh, so, it's like, I just watching people. You know, I, I never... It's just who I am. I've never like idolized anyone other than my mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've respected so many people where I'm like, hey, I really respect what they do. So I come across people that are just me. I mean, just meeting you and Jen. I mean, look, I mean, we met about a couple of days ago, and here I am on your show. Yeah, you know. So God just puts people in your life, and I, I really do believe that he, uh, you get breadcrumbs, right? Where people are like they either reaffirm that you're on the right path or teach you a lesson to get you on the right path. Uh, yeah. So I've, I've had a lot of great lessons. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that there there are little people that along the way make a huge impact by subtle pushes and prodding and, you know, guiding you. It's almost like the slightest little touch in a game of pool and, you know, send the ball going a different way or, or whatever. And like you'll interact with people sometimes that will do that for you. You know, I had a mm-hmm. former employee that about 10 years ago uh, got me a, a sign and she had it handmade and it said Hope Radio. And I still have mm-hmm. that sign today, but it was like that little seed way back when that mm-hmm. then was planted mm-hmm. that 10 years later now we're realizing, you know, the Hope Radio podcast that we're doing right now. And so it's just, yeah, I think that people do come alongside of you for a for a season or for a reason, and uh, they help mm-hmm. to shape and guide your path. And ultimately, it's our journey. You know, it's your journey. It's my journey, Jen's journey and everyone else that's listening, but you know, like just pay attention to those guideposts, those mentors, those unseen Mm -hmm. kind of relationships that you didn't expect, but somebody says something to you the right way or says it in a way that it just hits your spirit and you go, Hmm, maybe I should consider that. Maybe I should do that. You know, go, 
And, and and I bet you have some Cornellisms to go along with that, right? <laughs> I love that. Oh my goodness, so many. <laughs> There's so many. I mean, it, it's like my mom is a country girl, so she's from Virginia. My mom used to hit us with these analogies that we just didn't understand at the time. We were like, "Mom, what does that have? To, what does this part of life have to do with a goat and a string and a piece of bubble gum? Like, where did you get that one from?" Uh, but she, I think I got my Cornellisms like early or in an early age. My mom just hit us with all these like one-liners saying stuff but um it's a uh, it's one of my favorite ones which isn't mine is uh by kurt vonnegut he said uh we are whatever we pretend to be and i i just will i just never forget that that's always in my head we are whatever we pretend to be which mm-hmm. means we can convince ourselves of anything you know the reason i think um i love the way the words are structured in the english language is because whoever was making these words a lot of these words was a genius because there's the answer in the word, like, you know, in, in can't, there's can, and don't, there's do. And I love the word confidence, because in confidence, the first three letters are con, right? We can con ourselves out of it. You know, we can con ourselves out of confidence. We can con ourselves, uh, or we can con ourselves into it. You know, we can con ourselves, even on our worst days, we can con ourselves and say, hey, you know what? You're still amazing, even if you don't feel like it at this moment. So uh, that's one of my favorite uh, quotes of all time. I like that. It's it reminds me of the uh, fake it till you make it. You know, it's all about the attitude. It's all mm-hmm. about the mindset. You know, if you believe you can, you can. You know, if you want to con mm-hmm. yourself into believing that you can, then that's part of confidence. I, I do I do like that. But I, I know what you're saying. You know, with our four boys, uh, one in particular always comes to me like, where do you get that from? Like, I'll say something. And to me, it was like some <laughs> phrase growing up. Yeah. I, I, I was trying to think of one offhand, you know, some sort of like old phrase from like 20, 30, 40 years ago when you're growing up as a kid that yeah. they don't use now and they just look at me kind of like a dog would look at you when yeah. you're talking to them, kind of the head tilt and the ear drags and they're yeah. going, what? Yeah. What does that mean? I don't even understand what that means. Yeah. Like there's there's no context to it at yeah. all. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I, yeah. I know. It, I know. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but you know all my Seanisms. Yeah. Sean's got Seanisms too. <laughs> Jen's got Genisms yeah. too. <laughs> I, love, I, I, need, I need to hear more of these. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the problem, you know, when you put us on the spot, like yeah. they're, they're, they're not coming up. I'm going to write a book about my yeah. genisms because I do have yeah. them. Yes, you do. Like yeah. you, you, you are a fierce woman. <laughs> I will tell you that right now. And anything you write down, I, I'm I, sure I it's going to be awesome. <laughs> Well, she, I mean, she's got five. She got five guys in the house. Exactly. She, there's nothing that says she's not here. I know. Like, I'm there. Yeah. I need a little girl. Warrior. Like, what the heck? She she laments yeah. that she was always trying for a girl. Yeah. You know, and even yeah. so much as yeah. our youngest had long shoulder length hair down to his shoulders for probably the first ten years of his yeah. life. <laughs> well, I I love that you idolize your mom. I think that is so sweet, yeah. so precious. And I will say Thanks. that my four boys. I hope that they idolize me. <laughs> all they, I, they, they have no choice. They, they have no choice. They're all mama's all. boys. They really are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they love their mama. I, I, I tell, I tell people, I tell, you know, and my kids, I, cause I still work with kids for basketball, you know, on the side of time. And I said, I was never, ever, ever embarrassed to hug, kiss my mom, tell her mm-hmm. I love her every single day. Never. I said, because this is the person I created life. And when I tell, talk to young men about women and I tell them, how much more powerful they are than us. I just talk about like just being able to give life should show you how special these women are, you know, and how you should cherish them, um, you know, plain and simple. Right. So, yeah, I'm positive that your boys already idolize you have been forever. Well, we are on the right track because all four of my boys still to this day, the oldest being 24, still hug and kiss and love on me. And they're all amazing. Like, I love their love for me and I I feel their love. So that's so special. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's awesome. You guys guys raised in the right way. I love people that are like you and Sean that breathe. I always say that. Mm-hmm. I love when amazing people breathe. I hope ignorant people don't have babies, but when you guys have kids, <laughs> I get very excited. <laughs> I, I I love that. That's uh, that's awesome. Yeah. We're we're trying to what we're trying yeah. to do is raise strong, God honoring, faithful warrior men. Yeah. That's what we're trying to raise, mm-hmm. and yeah. and I think all, all right. of them are uh, on their way to that. You know for sure, and we're very love proud it. of our our boys and. Uh, very proud of who they are as persons and 
and individuals mm-hmm. and uh, young humans, and we're excited to see what they accomplish and the in their life. And the fact that they all are really close with each other, too. It's yeah. like, I love their I love bond. Yeah. Neither Jen or not, I had that kind of upbringing. You know, right. I'm an only child. Mm. Uh, Jen comes from a bigger family, but like, you know, we, we just literally yeah. right now, our kids have one grandma. That's what they have. They have that in their mm-hmm. in their wow. family. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we make it a big deal to uh, love on them and, and care for them. And, and we want them to have kids and have those kids have their grandparents around. So we're very conscious about, mm-hmm. y- you know, maintaining our family bond and lifting up each other and, yeah. and making sure that we're accounting for each other and supporting each other, et cetera. So it's, it's, it's awesome. We're, we're very blessed that way. You, you said something, Sean, that like really stuck with me. And I just want to leave this before we wrap up is that you said something about your stepfather and, you know, him, you know, not being physically abusive, but mentally putting these negative seeds in your head. And, when my mom told me at a very early age, everything happens for a reason, I used to always question that because I used to always say to myself, well, then why isn't my dad alive? You know, what's the reason for that? And it wasn't until my son was born, June 4th, 2013, 4.28 a.m., that I realized the reason I grew up without a father is because there's nothing that I want to be more than a father. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, you know, you didn't have, you know, that encouragement and then for you to be able to have four boys and encourage them and show them how men are supposed to be, how they're supposed to conduct themselves, that they can have emotions, they can love on uh, their sons and give that love. You know, there's a reason for everything, and that was the reason. And when you talked to me, when you said that, I got goosebumps because I never forget being a young man and just saying, well, well, what, why wouldn't I have a dad? And it wasn't until I held my son as a mess crying. Uh, and then I realized, like, man, this is the reason because... I'm breaking the cycle, right? Like my son is going to know who his father was. And when he's a father, he's going to share, send that love even times 20, you know, to his kids. So uh, I just think it's a beautiful thing. And, and you two, without meeting you in person yet, uh, you two are just a light on this planet. And just to have the sense of mind to do this type of show and uplift people's spirits, tell me all I need to know about you guys. Oh, thank you very much. That's that's very well said. I appreciate that. That lifts up my spirits and certainly my heart. And I agree with you. I mean, I, th- I think sometimes we're meant to shoulder a burden that we know that we can carry with God's help. You know, sometimes having having no father is better than having the wrong father. You know, mm-hmm. so, um, you know, not having somebody in your life is a better situation than having somebody that is a monster in your life or yep. verbally yep. abusive or, or whatever. And, and I do. I make a very conscious effort to try to be the best dad I can be because, you know, I did connect with my biological father when I was, when I was 10 and my stepfather was no longer in my life past 10, but the damage that he did still remains with me well into my adult Mm -hmm. life. But, you know, connecting with my biological father and and meeting him and he did the best that he could with me after, after 10. And I loved him and I cared for him, but I didn't know him uh, up until that point. And so I, I really Mm -hmm. try to be, the father that um, I didn't have for my boys. And so thank you for sharing that. And yeah, I know it means you. a lot from, from Jen as, yeah. as well. Very, very well said. And we appreciate it. And I think as we close out Cornell, I would just ask, you know, there's people that are listening that I'm sure are feeling anxious. They're, you know, they're worried, they're unsettled, you know, being what you are and having gone through what you've gone through, you know, what words of hope or encouragement would you give or say to the people that are listening about the present situation and their anxiety, their worry, their fear, you know, how would you address Mm -hmm. that? Yeah. I was just super brief. I would just say, you know, humans have been going through this stuff since the beginning of time. There isn't a a, a time period that we have not gone through plagues. We have not gone through genocides. We have not gone through the myriads of things that we've gone through. And the one crazy thing that is 100% true is that we're still here. We're still here on this planet. We're still occupying it. We're still alive. You know, we're like cockroaches. Like, we're not going anywhere. So if you <laughs> Take heart, if you folks. Under, we're all like cockroaches. Yeah. You know, we're going to survive like this. We're going to survive it, right? So it's like you just understand that all storms are transitory. There's no storm. Even though it's arc, even that eventually stopped raining, right? Like, we're all, all the storms are transitory at some point this is going to end. And the most important thing that you can think about is not what, like when is the storm going to end? It's like, who are you going to be wanted in? It's like, what skill are you adding to your toolbox? Who are you encouraging? What's your mindset going to be? The number one complaint of most human beings is I don't have enough time or money. 
Well, now you have the freaking time. Yeah. Now it is here. Yeah. So what are you going to do with it? And we live and in the greatest technological advancement age in, in the world. So the oh, greatest sure. technological, like you, you may not have the time, but like think about how much stuff you could learn on YouTube for free. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm learning Spanish right now. I'm brushing up on my Spanish. Yes. We have a house in Mexico, you know? so you could be our translator. And we'll be able to just get tickets. I'll take Yo, yo entiendo <laughs> español. That's oh, awesome. There we go. Look at you go. Hey, look, we're going to. Listen, we're probably going to order the wrong food, but we're going to be able to eat. This yes. What I love. Yes. Yeah. I love it. Like, I didn't order the shrimp. Why did I get a shrimp and a pen? That's weird. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Well, Cornell, thank you so much. I mean, your, your words thank of encouragement you. have yeah. been um, very uplifting. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on to our show and uh, spreading that hope like you did today. I just really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you so well, you much. You guys are awesome. You are you awesome. awesome. Thank you so much. This, this is an honor to be with such just amazing, great people. So thank you for having me. Uh, hey, you're we, welcome. We, we feel the same. We definitely feel the same. It was so great talking to you. You are amazing. You're doing amazing things. And I can't get, wait to get my hands on one of your books. Yes. I want the, yeah. I, yeah. So for those that are listening, you can you can find out more about Cornell at CornellThomas.com. So it's Cornell, C-O-R-N-E-L-L-Thomas.com. Yes. I'm sure you have resources there, Cornell, for books, speaking mm-hmm. engagements, sure. you know, every, everything that you offer. Everything. So thank you again so yes, much for coming on. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. Bye. All right, Jen. That was an awesome interview with Cornell. What did you think? I actually really enjoyed talking with him. I loved his story. I love that he loves his mom so much. He does love his mom. And yeah. I, you know, you want your boys to love you <laughs> like he loves his mom. Yeah, I just think that's really sweet. So I thought he had a great message. Um, I mean, to think about what he's been through and how he has rallied how he has structured his life right. and what he's been able to create in the process. That to me is awesome. Yeah. He's pretty awesome. So um, I think that a couple of lessons that we can take from his interview. Number mm-hmm. one, love your mom. <laughs> of course. Mom, I love you. Cause I know she's listening. She always <laughs> listens. Yeah. And uh, number two, have faith. Lots of faith. Yeah. Number yeah. three, work hard. Like mm-hmm. you just got to put your head down. You got to have a positive mindset. You got to think about your future in a positive way. You got to work hard. You got to yeah. diligently work hard. And I think that uh, that that is something that will stick with me um, that he shared and his message. And I think he's just an awesome person. I, I want to hang out with the guy. I know. Me too. We're going to Mexico together. I believe that will happen. We're going to take him <laughs> and the Ula guys and we're going to go have a Mexico siesta. Siesta. That's that's a fiesta. Oh, my bad. See, that's we, we want to my... have a fiesta. <laughs> that's how good my Spanish a is. Fiesta usually has has a uh, food involved too. I lo siento. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. A fiesta. A We're fiesta. gonna have a fiesta. Yeah, and then we'll siesta. Yeah, then we'll siesta. So Cornell, if you're on, down, on we're gonna have a fiesta, then a siesta. Uh, a la playa. Are you gonna be? Are you gonna be able to rally past like five o'clock or six o'clock in the evening? Eight o'clock's my limit. You know that it gets dark. No one needs to be out at dark. Says also the person that said that we were going to talk with him for 24 hours. I told him we're going to take naps. (laughs) All right. So if you've enjoyed our uh, shenanigans, we call this the Shen Shen show. Sean and Jen, you know, put them together, Shen. If you like the Shen show, we're available on SoundCloud. I thought thought this was the Hope Radio podcast. It is. But, you know, sometimes it turns into the Shen show. (laughs) So uh, Hope Radio podcast. You can find us on SoundCloud. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify. You can even do this. You can say to your Amazon Alexa, Alexa, play the Hope Radio podcast. And guess what will happen? She'll start playing it. Yeah. I tried it this morning. It really (laughs) works. I liked it. Um, And if you know of anybody that might be a good guest for us, you know, this Hope train that we've got going on, the Hope Radio podcast, daily stories of hope and inspiration, it is only facilitated with people reaching out to Mm -hmm. us and sharing with us people that they think would be awesome guests. And so if you know of anybody, you can send us a message on um, Instagram. You can Mm -hmm. send us a message on Facebook. 
You can um, send us a message through SoundCloud, I think, yeah. maybe. I don't know. <laughs> you can try. You can try. Whatever way you can get to us and send us a message. You know, we would love to hear from anybody that you might think would be a good guest to have on the show. All right. It's time for my thought of the day, Jennifer. Jennifer. I'm calling you Jennifer because you're in trouble. Oh, goodness. Yes. That's what I call you when you're in trouble. And uh, I think that you're going to like it because I think it's uh, a quote that you will relate to. And I think mm-hmm. it's a quote from somebody that you respect and that uh, you like. So okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it to you right now. You ready? Okay. You may not always have a comfortable life and you will not always be able to solve all the world's problems at once. But don't ever underestimate the importance you can have because history has shown us that courage can be contagious and hope can take on a life of its own. That's a quote from Michelle Obama. Oh, yes. I do love her heart. Yes. she. I think she's a very well-spoken woman. Mm -hmm. I think she's a very good encourager. So I thought that that was a good quote to leave our audience with. And I'm excited to share with you, we have another interview tomorrow. We're doing this again. Again. We're going to interview Marcus Ogden tomorrow. This guy lost everything in 2013. And by everything, I mean he lost an eight-figure construction company. He was a former NFL player. Okay. Went into the construction business, lost over two and a half million dollars, lost everything in 2013, had to file for bankruptcy, lost his house, lost two cars. Crazy story. You would not believe how successful he is now after having all of that stuff done to him. Wow. Or after having gone through that. Well, I'm excited to hear that one. It's going to be an awesome one. So same time, same place tomorrow. Yes. 